Hello and welcome. The name of this podcast series is Taboo Truths and Tales. This podcast is marked explicit. This podcast is produced in partnership with ustaboo.com. Specials are right now available there exclusively for you because you are listening to this podcast. Visit ustaboo.com. Go there to discover all kinds of very special stuff posted there just for you. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira D'Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast. Now, let's get started. Thank you. How is this for an episode title? Sadism Swarms, Stage, Show in Sin City. Wow! That's unusual, isn't it? This is episode number 50 of the Taboo Truths and Tales podcast series from Las Vegas. Yes, that's right. Episode 50. And, yes, the title is Sadism Swarms, Stage, Show in Sin City. Here we go with our podcast creator and host sometimes called Woody. He welcomes as his guest writer-producer Abel Horvitz. I am so happy to be with you here today, Abel Horwitz, to talk about yep. something very unique in Las Vegas. It's, a, I guess, a horror theater experience. Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, um, yes, it would be a, I was going to say a theatrical horror experience, which is exactly what you just said. Um, you start in an immersive lobby, you get into our story that way, and then after a little bit, uh, the main characters come out, they begin to interact with you, and they pull you into the asylum. And when you say asylum, you're alluding to uh, an actual historical event um there was a guy the marquis de sade people probably heard of him some say he is the french shakespeare that's kind of odd but most people have heard of the marquis de sade and he was killed in an asylum but that is not what what your uh las vegas show is about uh, am i correct uh, no I, I, no I, it is it's uh, it's the marquis de sade presents abandon um he, Marquis de Sade, was a late 1700s, early 1800s French philosopher. We get the S in BDSM from his name, sadism, comes from Sade. Um, uh, he, uh, he, did, he did die in an asylum. He died of old age. He was not killed. Um, he, he lived a very, very long life. Um, he was 74 when he died, uh, and he... Uh, while he lived most of it in an asylum, he lived a, a very rich life because of his uh, his station. A marquis is a, it was a very high post in the in the uh, French uh, king's world. But um, yeah, you know, we were very much inspired by his writings. We were very much inspired by his life story, which is absolutely wild. Um, he got thrown into into prisons and into mental institutions for the majority of his life. And he was a prolific writer. 
Uh, I would not. His prose is not Shakespearean. His his is very flowery language, and it's it's uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's easy to read. Though I guess Shakespeare isn't either, but um, at least it's nicer on the ear. But um, yeah, he you know he wrote a lot. He wrote uh, 120 Days of Sodom, which is probably his most famous writing. Whilst in the um, uh, the Bastille, uh, he wrote it on scraps of paper that he fastened into a scroll. Um, he hid it in the walls of the asylum to keep away from um, uh, from the authorities. And um, then when the Bastille was stormed, which was the spark that ignited the French Revolution, which, you know, he might have, he was, he, uh, uh, just a little aside, he, he, fascinating life, but he, he would scream out the windows of his cell about the torture that was going on to him and his fellow inmates, which was completely false, but he was provoking the uh the villagers uh into into uh into a frenzy which so he might have started the the french revolution which is pretty fascinating and yeah he had this scroll he would hide it in uh in the walls of the cell when the asylum was i'm sorry when uh when the bastille was stormed before that happened he and his fellow prisoners were taken away and he wasn't able to get the scroll in time so as far as he knew this 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 piece of writing that he'd spent three months obsessing over um, was destroyed in the um, in the storming, but um, that scroll was found. That scroll has this fascinating story. Uh, you can read all about it in a book called The Curse of the Marquis de Sade. But fast forward to 2023, it is considered um, a national treasure of france um and he is considered you know one of the great minds of france which is you know at the time he was thrown into jail repeatedly for his great mind for the things he wrote uh for his behavior and yeah and that's uh and he was definitely the star of our show but his um you'd say great mind and i i don't disagree i don't know yeah. i don't know a whole lot but about him except what i've read but i think yeah. he's more associated isn't he with sexual there was a phrase i found libertine dementia which is okay. essentially a person is crazy because they have no sexual morality which is an odd thing to say but what do you think about great mind versus great experimenter and sexual behaviors uh, can I? Am I allowed to curse? Oh yeah, yeah. Case? We're we're completely uh, explicit here. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, um, what can I say about the Marquis de Sade? I can't say he was a. You know, there there's a lot of controversy about him. Um, I think we need to point out historically, um, his, uh, being a marquis meant that he was just right underneath the the king in terms of rankings. So he was born into an immense privilege. Um, uh, a wealth that he, you know, was was quickly disappeared, but he lived his life as if it hadn't. Um, and there, an example of, of just how uh, how untouchable he was is that at some point uh, he there was a detective who was assigned to him, um, uh, and he kept he he always figured out a way to escape. He was he was very much a scoundrel, but he. The detective finally caught him, and the detective went up to him and said something along the lines of, like, I caught you, you son of a bitch. Um, as a result of the detective 
having the audacity to speak to a noble that way, the detective was thrown into jail. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean, you know, in, in in today's parlance, you could, you know, he was he, you know, he was incredibly abusive to women and to to young girls and to young boys and to men, but at in the context of what he lived, he was just another nobleman who had sex with whoever he wanted to, who paid for sex gladly. Um, but you know, we have to also, I think, something. That, so we're not we're not saying that he's a he's a you know he's a, he's a good guy. You know, he was very much a product of his time. He was very much a product of his ranking, um, and. You know, but we also need to, you know, something that we talk about in our show, or I'm sorry, not talk about our show, um, because there's no words in our show, but something that we point out is that Desaad loved sex, and he would sleep with men, with women. Um, really, he, he saw no difference. Uh, he would always say, you know, this is how God made me, and I am doing exactly what God has put me on the earth to do. Uh, while completely denying the existence of any sort of uh, higher power. And, um, you know, uh, LGBTQ scholars point to Desaad and his writing as some of the earliest writings that we have about the pleasures of gay sex, you know. Um, so he was, he's very much, you know, a, 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 a queer, you know, he's very much part of queer history, um, like I said, he put the S in BDSM, so uh, so he he brought that into the world, and yeah, he uh, he was a fascinating. He was he was years, two hundred years ahead of his time. We are only now living in a world in which the Marquis de Sade would have felt right at home. If you, you if know? you look at today, what do you think? Who is there a person or I don't know, like a rock and roll group or a hip hop group yeah. that would embody? what he was 200 years ago uh, oh gosh um not off the top of my head he was so i mean you couldn't do what he does today right it's not you know again like you know he was he was sleeping with 14 year old young peasant girls like that's not acceptable today um nor should it be but again again keep in mind the context of the time he lived so I don't know. I mean, he was he was wild. He could he looked to push boundaries. I'd hate to name anyone of today's because again, like anyone who you would name would be considered a pedophile. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not advocating for any of this stuff. I'm just pointing out that this was the time and the life that he lived. So yeah. I don't I don't know. Sorry, okay. I can't I can't point to it. No, no, I understand that. I don't have anybody in mind either. I mean, I know there's. Yeah. Uh, there's a Las Vegas uh, group um, that did a song with his name in it. I'm trying to think of the group. Uh, uh, it's not Killers. It's not uh, Nightmare. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know. But he's notorious. I mean, they've yeah. made many movies out of him. They made the the play Marat Saad out of him. You know, he is. He's really, uh, really. Uh, installed himself into our our collective consciousness. Yeah, you know whether you know about him or not, he's just, he's just there. Well, he's I, th this. I think most people have heard of him at least. But I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. Why would you? I mean, you are uh, one of three people listed as writer. 
yeah. the, the director of the show mm -hmm. um, is one of the writers. And then there's yeah. a, a third person. Can you talk about you and the other two and how all this came together, how you chose at some point to write about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the director is, her name is Jana Weimer. Uh, the executive producer is Bob Bullwinkle. Uh, uh, and you know that he's, he's, he's fabulous. He's, he's six foot eight. He's a moose of a man. He, uh, he is, you know, he's, he's, he's our leader. He's wonderful. Um, and his day job is, um, uh, raising money. He, he, he owns a nonprofit and he raises money to fund the arts education and in inner city programs in inner city schools. Um, uh, so where to begin? I'll begin with Bob being Jana's high school drama teacher. Uh, Jana fell in love with theater because of Bob's ability to teach it. And they remained friends. He's her mentor. Um, and 20 years ago, Jana co-created a show called Urban Death, which is uh, based in a theater in Los Angeles called Zombie Joe's Underground. Uh, the show is a series of rapid fire vignettes. The lights go up, you see something fucked up. The lights go off. The lights go up, you see something crazy, twisted, scary, sexy, whatever. The lights go off. So just, you know, an hour of just, a, like, like, I guess, TikTok, basically, but on stage. You can't get bored. If something isn't interesting to you, something new replaces it in 30 seconds. It's, I, it's absolutely fascinating. So she co-direct, she co-created that show um, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, Bob had seen it, he loved it. He had been telling her for years, like, let's make something together. Um, 10 years ago, I saw it and, you know, uh, Woody, it struck me like lightning. I just had never seen anything like it. Um, and I got involved in the theater, uh, I got, um, I started working with them. I was really interested in immersive theater by that point. I'd, uh, I'd interned at Sleep No More in New York City, which, you know, was very seminal in, in, the, in the immersive theater world. I'd been an actor in Halloween Horror Nights, one of those monsters that jumps out and scares people. And really, I, I had this thought that, um, excuse me, I had this thought that, you know, if you market something as a haunted house you'll get an audience who would probably never see something called a play but would love to see a haunted house and it's the same thing lights actors sound costumes storytelling just uh put in a very different way so uh when i got involved with the theater i really just kept talking to Jana. i kept talking to zombie joe who, who's the producer at zombie joe's underground you know, put a, put a maze in front of your show, put a maze in front of your show. And I give them a lot of credit. They listened to me and, um, they created something called tour of terror, uh, which continues to run. Um, it's in LA. It's fabulous. Uh, Jan and I worked on it for 10 years together. Um, and it's the most successful show the theater has ever had. So that began Jan and Mai's creative partnership. Um, and then in 2018, I produced Urban Death going to Edinburgh, to Scotland, for the Fringe Festival, which is this massive theater festival that, you know, millions of people descend on the city of Edinburgh uh, during the month of August. 
there are countless numbers of shows and you just keep getting told when you go like you can't you, you just can't expect an audience like you're doing this because you love it you're doing this because you're having fun but you're not doing this because you think that you're going to get an audience um but no one else was walking around the streets of this medieval city passing out flyers dressed like zombies <laughs> and we learned and then we learned very quickly you know either someone runs towards you or runs away from you and the people and the people who run towards you man they they love you those so are the ones started, you want you want to grab them yeah, exactly. So, uh, so we started uh, selling out shows very quickly. We got a lot of great reviews very quickly. We started getting recognized in the streets, which was absolutely surreal. Um, and the show is wordless. You know, it's these vignettes, like I said. So, any you don't have to speak English to like it, you know, or to understand it. I mean, um, and by that point, the show had gone to New York. Um, the show had, uh, Janet had taken it to South Africa for a run. Uh, so now we had these, you know, three touch points outside of Los Angeles to say, Hey, this show can succeed and this show can survive. Um, uh, after that, Janet and I worked on an immersive theater show for Paramount Pictures. Uh, we were going to do an immersive show on the Paramount studio lot, kind of like a Sunset Boulevard meets Twilight Zone show. Um which was scheduled to open October 2020. Oh, um, no. Oh, uh, no. So they bought it. They paid for it, which is really, which was really cool. Uh, and it's on their shelf somewhere. Uh, maybe one day we'll see it. But, you know, pandemic hit. It was a lot, of, a lot of sitting back and being like, well, what do we do next? Um, uh, Bob and Jana were talking about making something, you know, uh, and Jana brought me on board and three of us, uh, the three of us started taking meetings together. We started talking about what we wanted to do together. Uh, we decided on Vegas pretty quickly because I mean, you know, it, it was just obvious, right? Like LA isn't really a place to debut a new theater show, especially something as weird as ours. Uh, a million people come to Vegas every, every week which is nuts. Uh, Vegas is spectacle. Vegas is, uh, I mean, uh, Meow Wolf came. So, so, so people are now looking at Vegas, not as just like the strip or Fremont street. They can start to see different experiences. Um, and to finally answer your question, why decide, you know, we wanted an arc. We wanted, we didn't, we couldn't just do like random vignettes. Um, but we wanted that style. So we needed a story to tell. And we started looking at various stories, and his was just so outrageous and so notorious and so wild that um, we, we, we just saw so much material, so many angles that we could come from. Um, you know, as I said earlier, like there's this, there's this uh, LGBT undercurrent that we could really work with. Uh, the fact that he was in and out of mental institutions and asylums throughout his entire life. Uh, we started discussing the realities of, 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 of how humans have treated other humans throughout history and things that we now consider mental health issues were things that you could be thrown into the asylum for. Post-traumatic post -traumatic stress disorder, postpartum depression, uh, addiction, uh, alcoholism, all these things. Um, uh, that people were thrown into these horrible prisons for. So 
really all we did was was think about the way humans have treated other humans throughout history and uh, and took it to the the worst level that we could possibly imagine. Um, and then took Desaad's story about him writing 120 Days of Sodom and uh, you know created a like a like an evil priest villain for to be his villain like the villain. We created a doctor you know to experiment on on the patients. We created a you know the orderlies, the Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, we created the patients. Like you know we just created a whole story around around what and then we kind of you know put our players in a in a in the in the asylum and we wrote you know a thousand ideas for what they could do and then kept narrowing it down and narrowing it down until we had something that we felt was was very effective and very powerful to tell our story that's amazing. and that's the that's the long answer that's the long answer stuff. no no i i'm i'm yeah. i really appreciate that because you know i met you at the nightmare cafe yeah. in las vegas in the arts district and i'm yeah. so, i'm someone who i go there regularly and I was impressed. Apparently, you win trivia. I, mean, I do win trivia very often. Yeah, my partner Sam Glass and I are, are multi-time winners. To be honest, no, no bragging, just the truth. Not bragging. No, yeah. but you know, I was going to say you were talking about something that seemed completely original. I mean, not that Desaad is original, but this yeah. idea to do a play in the arts district. Now I have attended many, many of the, uh, they call them immersive theater presentations at um, Vegas Theater Company, which is where your show will be in October. Correct. And also I've been to Majestic Repertory Theater, also arts district. But what you talked about that night at Nightmare Cafe seemed very, very different, very a fresh, and completely outside to me, my thinking, completely outside yeah. the envelope. What did people say? How did you sell this idea to get a show like this uh, greenlit? Do they say that uh, to be produced yeah. in Las Vegas? How did I can only imagine trying to get investors like, oh yeah, we're gonna do a, a play about sadomasochism <laughs> <laughs> and and young children being sexually abused and then we don't we don't uh for the record that's not in our show oh okay yes. all right i will i will say this when we were um uh and thank you thank you for the kind words about our very fucked up show um <laughs> when we were when we were like when we were looking for pr representation you know to let vegas know about who we were we got a lot of rejections because they googled the sod and um and you know, of course, like what comes up is is these trigger words um, that again I will continue to maintain. We have to put him in context of his time and his position, and as a nobleman, like it's not a good thing. But yeah, he definitely did all these things that we uh, we we now know are, are completely inappropriate and completely not acceptable. But you know, people would Google Marquis de Sade and, and, and these horrible things would come up and they'd be like, we can't work with you. You know, that's that's just not a line we're willing to cross. Um, I will say unequivocally, you know, we are not hurting. We are, we are not abusers. We are, we are artists making theater and no one gets hurt. Everyone goes and sleeps in their own bed at night. Um, <laughs> the blood is all fake blood. The, the set's all a fake set. We're, you know, we're not... We're, we're just sensitive artists, but um, uh, what was it like? It was how we started is we 
we came to Vegas. We did a, a like a, a is it called a listening tour? Basically, we bought a lot of lunches for a lot of locals, and we said we have this idea, and we you know we're from out of town. Uh, you know, we were aware that they, let people come to Vegas and think that they know the city better than the locals do and, uh, and, tr- and don't treat the locals with respect. And we just, we did not want to be that period. So we bought a lot of lunches for a lot of, uh, uh, people who had their finger on the pulse of Vegas. And we just asked them how we do this. And we got a lot of good advice. Uh, we got a lot of good leads on where we could go and where we could take our show. Um, and how we could do this properly. So we, you know, we put together a pitch deck. We met with a lot of, very, we met with various theaters. We, we toured spaces. We, you know, we, we thought about what area of town to go to. Um, and Vegas Theater Company, which, yes, is in the Arts District, just checked off all the boxes. Um, Daz Weller, the artistic director, didn't, bat an eye when we told him that we were going to make a very fucked up R-rated horror show. He thought that that was a unique take. Um, he, you know, again, he didn't think we were monsters or pedophiles. He, he recognized we were artists. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's right in the arts district, right in the center, uh, in between the strip and Fremont street. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's hard to convince tourists that there's any Vegas outside of, you know, the casinos, but yeah, yeah. at least, yeah, at least we were like right in the middle and the, and the arts district is just so cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh, we, um, you know, like we started, uh, introducing ourselves to places like nightmare cafe, uh, to, to artifice bar, which is our neighbors to Taverna Costera, to the garden, um, to, uh, the English hotel, like basically anything with a, a mezcla, you and me sushi. These are all places we partnered with just walking distance from the theater to either get prefixed dinners or custom cocktails. Cause we, we really wanted to let the city of Las Vegas know, like we, we are, we are in love with this city. We have been welcomed. We have been doing everything we can to let the local community know that we want to be a part of part of the, the fabric of this community. Um, you know, then we cast, we, we thought, you know, we were worried that we wouldn't find enough talent, quite frankly, uh, to cast our show. So we were considering the logistics of bringing our LA actors out. No, not true. We, we could have cast the show three, four times from the amount of talent that came out. It, it was just, it was just such a, such an embarrassment of riches is what we found. Vegas has been, Vegas has been wonderful to yeah. us. Well, the other yeah. thing I noticed was you were so comfortable when you were speaking at, yeah. at Nightmare Cafe about all this. And then today you're talking about, well, we're not pedophiles, the uh, cast, you, you know. <laughs> oh, what, please why please is, don't make that be the quote. No, no, no. What I'm saying, it, it, it yeah. really is kind of pathetic that an artist like yeah. yourself has to yeah. say, oh, we're the good guys. You know, that yeah. really pisses me off, I have to say. But I applaud you because you are doing something that is pushing the boundaries you know, yeah, we're, you. we're in a world where people get upset about drag queens and here you're coming yeah. out with, I mean, yes, it's Las Vegas and Las Vegas has drag performances that are not the subject of political pushback like other places. But 
this is really i have to tell you as a local in las vegas <laughs> i see that you are really in the, pushing the boundaries in ways that i think you should receive recognition for doing hey thanks man I, it that, that means a lot we're like it, it's really good to feel seen the way we want to be seen um yeah, you know, I mean, going back to why we chose Desaad, it's because the things that he spoke about, you know, sexual liberty, um, uh, he, you know, he, he would, he wrote two books, Justine and Juliet, uh, about women, and they were the first books that people can point to, where women actually, like, owned their own sexuality, they enjoyed sex, God forbid, um, so, yeah, so, you know, we, we're very sex positive, we're very kink positive, we're very queer. Our cast is made up of, you know, the entire spectrum of the LGBT rainbow, and that, you know, it wasn't intentional, but we just, we cast blind. We cast whoever was the best for the part, and so I think that, uh, I think that, you know, that any sort of rejection is just, it just limits you and limits the the colors that you get to paint with. So we were we were very much trying to be as uh, as you know pushing the envelope and as far as possible. And you know I'll I'll maintain this. And I've I've worked with the director Jana for ten years. Uh, there is nothing that we can put on stage that nearly matches how just fucked up humans are to each other. Yeah. You know all all we're doing is just reflecting back, holding a mirror to society. To the ugly parts and um if it makes people uncomfortable like that's 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 on them that's on and them that's exactly on exactly right yeah yeah now you said you cast in vegas and i looked up i can't think of his name right off the top of my head but you cast Josh Berg. yes Josh Berg, all right he was yeah. listed in uh just googling his name yeah. comes up as blue man group what, yeah. what can you yeah. tell us about him and his performance oh happily oh my god yeah we've got we've got a blue man we've got a Cirque du Soleil we've got two Cirque du Soleil performers uh we got an, the one of our people was an evil dead like it was it's been great um specifically about Josh um uh, well he's uh he's just he I mean he was trained he's he's British He's trained as a blue man, so he's got this incredibly technical, technically precise way of of taking notes and performing. He's just he's just one of the most technically professional performers I've ever seen. You know, you just need to tell him what to do and where to go, and he'll do it because that's his trainings. And 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 on top of that, he's he's so nice. He's such a decent man. Uh, I, I, you know, he, I got to see him perform as a blue man, which was an absolute treat. Um, so he was great. Josh is wonderful. He's, you know, he's really embraced the role. Um, and, you know, he's not, he's not a horror buff. He's an actor, but, you know, he, he will do, he'll, he's just, he's, he's game. He's great. Um, and then, I, I'm sorry, what's your next question? Oh, that was, I just wanted to find out about about him. Yeah. The thing that struck yeah. me though, I started looking up because I had not heard of you or any of the, you know, the Los Angeles traditions yeah. you were saying. Um, yeah. 30 years worth of uh, legacy there in these uh, horror theater events. 
At Zombie Joe's? Zombie Joe's, yeah. yeah. And 30, 30 years. Who runs a theater for I know, that's impossible. Even Saturday Night yeah. Live has not been on that long, I don't think. Anyway, my question was, I saw in many locations that you that it said this was there was no dialogue. In yeah. other words, no spoken words. It's all... Yeah. You used another phrase, but there's no talking or no... No verbalize, vocalizing, verbalizing. There's, there's definitely vocalizing. I mean, people scream. People. We have a lot of. We have a lot of French, you know. But it's not designed for you to know what what we're saying. Okay. Right. But yeah. it, it's very daring to do an entire show without <laughs> words. I would say. Oh no, that's not true. Cirque du Soleil does it. Blue well, yeah, Blue but that's those it. are those are ballets, and the Beatles love at um, Mirage. Yeah. You know, it's all music, but they're singing lyrics from right. the Beatles. But yeah, you, and, and you do have music in your show. Oh and yeah, I couldn't. I'd love to talk about the music. Well, yeah, talk because I couldn't figure out where you were going to get music that would be relevant. But you have a, all original music, yeah. right? Oh yeah, let's talk about our music. Oh my God! So the person who composed our music, his name is Joseph Bashara. And you can Google him, and you will see that he composed the scores for Insidious, Conjuring, Annabelle. I mean, this man, the fact that we got him, I mean, and, and we got him because he was a, he loves Jana. He's been watching Jana's shows for years, and, you know, he, we know him. He's super nice. Uh, he just loves all the weird, crazy shit that we love. So uh, we got Joseph uh, to do our to do our score uh i just was in the theater listening to it to it being mixed um it's just it's oh my god how lucky are we and and really like that's what like if you even if you don't like even if you i don't know it, his score is his you know hollywood professional uh we got katie uh katie halliday who won an Emmy for Stranger Things this last season of Stranger Things that was so good. She won an Emmy for the sound design, which was amazing in the show. And and so we got her to do our sound design. I mean, that was just an embarrassment of riches in our yeah. sound our sound department. Yeah, I saw her yeah. name listed. And yeah. I, I saw the composers as well. Yeah. I've seen those films, but his name doesn't jump out like John Williams or... Well, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Someday, someday, though, maybe he will. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've told many people, and they their eyes light up. They know exactly what he sounds like. I mean, you know, music is so important for horror movies, as you know. Oh, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's that guy. He's that guy. Now, you have, yeah. um, we have done, I don't know, a little over half an hour, and never once gave a way for people to get tickets. Which is oh, gosh, my, yeah. my I mean, mistake. See, that's the thing. Like you told you told me twenty minutes, but I could talk about this show all day. It's just it's just incredible. Um, well, we want people yeah. to. Uh, I do want people to go, and this yes. is only in the month of October, twenty twenty three. Hopefully, yeah, it'll get yeah. renewed or, or what do you call it? Extended after uh, Halloween into November. You think? Well, that all depends on if people show up. Yeah. Um, you know the the goal is that we get the word out is that vegas responds to us the way we really hope they will um and that yeah you know the demand is such that we can continue to extend um this is really our first 
if this if this hits the way that we hope it is, we're gonna go all we're gonna try to make it a permanent venue. You know, Universal Studios is bringing Halloween Horror Nights to Vegas. Zach Bagans has his haunted museum. I mean, there there the, the Saw Escape Room, the Blair Witch Escape Room. There's there is an absolute community horror community in Vegas, and we wanna we wanna be a part of it. You yeah. Know? Well, I think your, so, your timing so I, is really, really good. But tell people, if they don't yet have tickets, how to yeah. get tickets. Uh, well, there's there's several ways, but they all lead to the same website. You can go on our Instagram, which is Abandoned Vegas. You can go on our website, which is AbandonedVegas.com. Uh, you can go to uh, Vegas Theater Company's website, which is theater.vegas. And it's spelled the British way, T-H-E-T-A-R-E. Uh, I hope I spelled that right. Yeah. The, the, whatever. Theater. Uh, theater. Theater.Vegas. Yeah. So AbandonedVegas.com, Instagram AbandonedVegas, or TheaterTheatra.Vegas, and you will find a link to our tickets. And, and we run, we run, we start, we preview October 5, we, we open October 7, uh, we run through Halloween, um, you know, we have a 7 p.m. and a 9 p.m. show. Uh, get there early to wander through our immersive lobby to find all the Easter eggs that we've hidden around Vegas Theater Company to see our pre-show, which is going to be real kinky. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then afterward, and have have a drink, have two drinks, have three drinks. Then afterwards, take a photo with the cast. And, uh, and then go to one of our partners and enjoy one of the custom cocktails that we have crafted specifically for you, the audience. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> that is so exciting. Well, Buddy, I'm having so much fun. I know. This is so much fun. We should do this like two more hours, but we won't. I have to respect oh, your time. Because you you're you're in. Uh, we're recording this on October 1st, so you're just oh, a few, yeah. few days away. From your know, we open, today's Sunday and we open Thursday. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, I am it's, very... it's like a, it's like this iceberg that I've been staring at in the distance for two years, <laughs> and now, man, we are looking right at it. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate you cutting some time out of your busy schedule, carving some time to yeah. talk with me, and I certainly encourage all of uh, the listeners of this podcast to be sure if they haven't already to get tickets but this was a lot of fun and i i am glad that we happened to cross paths that night in in, in las vegas yeah. and uh i i cannot tell you how much this means i try and do taboo topics and when we met i asked you well do you think this is taboo it's like no it isn't taboo come on what could be more taboo than marquis decide I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He so, put the S in BDSM, that's baby. Right. Well, I, again, Abel, I appreciate your talking with me here today. And uh, as they say, break a leg, wish you well. Hope all this leads to a permanent venue here in Las Vegas. Woody, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I, I mean, I've got a big smile on my face, which I know you can see, but the, the listeners can't. Uh, what a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for um, taking us seriously and, and seeing what we're trying to do. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I look forward to the next time you and I cross, cross paths. Okay. Please come see my show, and then let's uh, let's talk about it afterwards. All right. Thank you again, Abel. You, Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate your exuberance and uh, 
It really is sad, though, that artists have to apologize for their art because, uh, I mean, with a subject matter like this, yeah. it, it, you're going to end up getting some rejection in Vegas. But uh, well, we kind of hope we get protesters, quite frankly. Oh, no, that's not going to, I don't think. I mean, maybe if someone, if you had a drag performance, <laughs> maybe there would be. Oh, Jesus. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I mean, you know, like, yeah, we're, you know, we're really controversial and we hope that, uh, we hope that, uh, people, the, we hope that people run towards us who want to and the people who don't run away from us. Yeah, that's but, right. I mean, it's just, you know, it, until we open, until word of mouth spreads, until people tell their friends about us, like all I can do is just beg people to buy a ticket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling this will catch on. And again, thank you. really wish you all. Abel, thank hey, you thanks, again. Thanks, Woody. Thank you. What a pleasure. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. And that's all that we've got for you. This was episode number 50 of the Taboo Truths and Tales podcast series from Las Vegas. This episode was named Sadism Swarms Stage Show in Sin City. You heard our podcast creator and host sometimes called Woody. He was talking with his guest writer-producer Abel Horvitz. They discussed the production of Vegas Theatre Company in the Las Vegas Arts District known as Abandon. The production is one you won't want to miss and maybe see it more than once. The show title is Abandon, and the venue is the Vegas Theatre Company in the Las Vegas Arts District. Thank you for listening and be sure to tell others about this podcast episode named Sadism Swarm's stage show in Sin City.